I see we're on nigga time this week, huh? Is that how we're doing this? How reverend? Is that what we're doing this week, Reverend? That's what we're doing, man. It's been it's been a it's been a hard day out here serving the Lord. So, you know, I, I, I'm just gonna come in here and make some time for this, you know? I hear ya. I hear ya. So apologies uh last week to everyone with the show. Um I guess the last 15, 20 minutes or so, the audio was really bad. So we'll just try to be conscious of um, keeping the phone a little further away when we're speaking louder and things like that. Hopefully the audio this week comes out better. So anything going on with you this week, man? Or All is good, man. All is good. You know, just just uh, out here surviving the pandemic. And, uh, you know, everything's good. Okay. Yeah, it's funny. Um just to, to go back to the nigger time thing, um, I'm just joking with Aswan, obviously, because um, we we're supposed to record at 11. And he was like, give me an extra half hour. And then I'm sitting here staring at my phone for five minutes waiting for him to answer this call. And the first thing that popped into my head was I did this movie a few years ago. I don't know if you got a chance to see it, Aswan. It was one of the movies I did after um, you stopped shooting. Um, Bill Huxtable, Serial Rapist. Oh, of and... course. Okay. Yeah, and um, I, when I shot it, I was coming from work. Um, I, I, when I did have a job before this pandemic, I, I worked at a, as a night auditor at a hotel. So I just did like a nine-hour shift. And then I changed. I'm exhausted. I go all the way up to the Bronx. And, you know, everybody's waiting on me to shoot. And we're shooting at this bar. And one of the ladies that works at the bar walks. And we're shooting in the Bronx. And I'm the only black person on set, just, just to get that clear. Um, hmm. Before we get into the old nigger time thing, um, man, that's a hard R at the end of the nigger, man. Jeez, it's <laughs> <laughs> a hard R because I'm going somewhere with this. Okay, all right. So um, I get to the bar where we're shooting the first scene where I'm up on the stage, and this lady that I don't know because really I only know the the filmmaker that's a friend of mine that lives in the Bronx, and it was like a co-production, so I let him set everything up. And she's like, hey, I guess you're on nigger time. And I'm like, this fat white bitch. <laughs> it's like, it's one thing for me to say that with you when we're joking around. Like, I don't use the N-word in my vocabulary. And for like this portly middle-aged woman who I don't know to come up and say that to me, it's just like, I was just like, what the F is going on? You know, it's like, this is how we're going to start this movie. Mm -hmm. you know? So... Um, but yeah, that just popped into my head uh, while I was waiting for you. But uh, wow. yeah, yeah, some dark things up in there. Anyway, um, so a few things I want to go over before we 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 really get rolling into the show. Um, just a few things going on with me that maybe you guys would like to know listening. Um, so I'm about to do some work in a Joel M. Reed documentary. Um, so I'm glad we sh we're doing the show on Wednesday instead of Friday like last week because I want to record my stuff for Joel before the end of the week. And I've really been delaying this because the person doing it really wanted my footage a while ago. But I don't know. I'm just not good with stuff like this, you know? It's just not something that, like, flows for me, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I you, You've always had a – you have an interesting um, uh, emotional construct, I've, I've, I find. that Like, sometimes, you know, you can just be the most calloused, not giving a fuck person I've ever seen. 
<laughs> and then I, I'll, I'll never forget there was one time in a, like in our movies i mean you've done literally anything i've ever asked like without without question and you've taken things to further levels than i've often ever asked you to do and i'll never forget there was one movie and i i can't remember which one this was whether it was scumbag hustler or something like that where i asked you to just like take a hamburger and like ravenously eat it and you had this like this reaction like i don't know if i could do that and this is before you were vegan or anything like that where you would eat hamburgers and um you were like, I don't know. I just don't know. But I don't know how I feel about this. And like emotionally, I don't know where I am with this. <laughs> really? Yes. I yes. don't even remember this. Oh, I'm remember. not doubting that it happened. I just oh, dude. I remember this like it was yesterday. I think the scene was like you were supposed to go into a garbage can and pull out a hamburger and eat it or something. And you just did like we talk about it or do we actually do it? No, we I think eventually you got yourself around to doing it, but it took you like weeks to get yourself in the frame of mind to do that. And I'm like, dude, I'll buy the burger. Wendy's, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go. I used to love me some Wendy's back in the yeah, day. Yeah, like, I'll, I'll go, I'll cook it. I'll cook it myself. What do you want me to make, like a grandma burger? Like, you name it, I'll make the burger. It'll be nice, it'll be good. What kind of condiments do you want on it? You know, you, and I remember, and you were like, I don't know. Like, I had this point when I was, like, losing a lot of weight, and I thought I had, like, some kind of eating disorder. And, like, it's like, I, I guess all this stuff surfaced. And, like, it, and then finally, after like three weeks of this, you came to me and you were like, yeah, Aswad, you know, I, I, I think I have it in me to do this scene. I, I think I worked it through. I think I'm like, so, it's so interesting that like you'll do scenes where you'll puke, you'll, 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 you know, banging whores in the most visual way, using copious amounts of drugs and alcohol thievery violence i've snorted so much baking soda oh my for, for god cocaine scenes. it's ridiculous <laughs> and i'm like this dude is like hung up over a hamburger i'm like well, i don't get it so i mean i know that's a little bit of a side story but like when, when you're when you when you mention like you're not good with certain things i always find it interesting because like i'm a i'm a little bit more like on the moderate side where like i'm not gonna go too extreme in either way but like sometimes with you, not all the time, but sometimes I think you live on these extremes where like you'll, you'll go so far and sniff bacon soda to the point where you make Scarface look like a, you know, like, like a, a weed head. And then like eating a hamburger is like unconscionable <laughs> under, <laughs> under those circumstances. And it's like... <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I, I can't be. I'm not too consistent. Sometimes I don't know what it is, but <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to try and knock out that Joel stuff later on this week. So I'm glad we did this Wednesday instead of Friday. Yeah, uh, a couple other things. Um, before we get into the heart of the podcast, um, mm -hmm. having more hard drive issues. I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, I know you got me these three uh terabyte, four terabyte hard drives. Mm -hmm. They're all crashing on me. Oh, and I have like three unfinished movies, including one that has Joel in it mm -hmm. on one of my hard drives. And I got to do a data recovery and it's been killing me the last few weeks. The only positive thing is I had this issue before with Hookers in Revolt, like the, the hard drive with that film crash. Mm -hmm. And also like my boss's husband threw away the drive. But luckily someone who knows computers said, hey, this looks valuable, found it, plugged it in saw my name on it, contacted me and gave it back to me and he wouldn't even take any money. 
So I got lucky with that movie a couple of times. But um, but yeah, these three movies are unfinished. The only positive thing is back then it was a lot harder to figure out. So I had to go to a place and pay for them to take it off the hard drive. Right. Um, now, like when you Google, there are so many people that have the exact same issues that you do. And I've been like, it's been killing me the last few weeks. I think I found a solution. I might be wrong. I'll, I'll know by the next time we record. But it does feel good. At least there's a community online where it's like you can at least find people that have your exact same issues. Oh, yeah. So if we figure this one out um, and it won't cost me as much um, yeah. or hopefully it won't cost me anything to uh, resolve it. Mm-hmm. And then one other thing. Um, this is something you, you're, you've been aware of because it started in the time that I've known you. Like when I was in high school, I played football, ran track. I was a very athletic guy. I always did a lot of walking. But for some reason, like in my mid to late 20s, I started getting like knee issues. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it was or what triggered it. I remember. But um, yeah, it's, it used to be debilitating. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I couldn't walk too long. Mm-hmm. Like the only thing I could do is like sit, lay mm-hmm. down and, and ride my bike. Mm-hmm. I couldn't like walk more than a few blocks without my knees killing me. Mm-hmm. But uh, recently, I've been able to do squats and deadlifts. Oh, good. And um, yeah, so it's like, it's it's amazing. And the only, the funny thing is my hips are killing me. Mm-hmm. It's like my knees are fine. Well, like as I'm squatting down, like my hips are killing me. But I think it's a form thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm probably just have to adjust my form. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it's weird. Like this late in life, like I'm finally able to do things that I wish I could have done when I was younger. But mm-hmm. um but yeah, a lot of it's just form and things like that. I still can't run, but at least I can uh, work out my legs. Because I had, I don't, you, you don't want to have that weird physique where it's like you're muscly on top and then your legs look like, mm-hmm. you know, flabby. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's all the stuff going on with me. I, I want to get into a few topics that I don't want to spend too much time on. Mm-hmm. And then we'll get into the topics that we can deep dive on. Okay. So just like your quick thoughts on these first few okay. topics. Okay. Yeah. Any thoughts on the Mary Kate Olsen divorce? Like, um, this was the one who mm-hmm. married. Uh, she's thirty three now, mm-hmm. and her husband was like seventeen years older than her. Mm-hmm. He's fifty, mm-hmm. and they're going through a divorce. And like, I guess, uh, she's trying to hold up the the pr- proceedings because he's cut off the lease to the house she's living in. So I guess he just wanted to cut all ties with her. But then because of the pandemic, like I don't know, it's like a weird back and forth with them. And it's become public. But any thoughts on that at all? I just saw that um, today and it said that she wa- I didn't really read much about it, but it said she wanted an emergency divorce from him because he's. Keeping- well, basically, it's what I said. The, the, the reason she the, without getting into the weeds, he broke off the lease to the house she lives in, but she can't move anywhere because she's in New York with the stay at home. Mm-hmm. But because he cut off the lease, she has nowhere to go. So that's the reason she's trying to like do an injunction or whatever she's doing with the divorce mm-hmm. is because she'll be homeless and she can't go anywhere. Yeah, I, I, I didn't really understand. I don't really understand. I mean, I didn't read the whole article. Like I've never taken a big interest in the Olsen twins at all. Like they, they, it was just, I didn't know who they were. And then suddenly you have all these articles printed about how, how wealthy they are and they're like worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And I'm like, why, how, when did this happen? What did they sell? What's their whole situation? Like, you know, it's, it, it, they've never really been that interesting to me at all. And it just so happens that I was just browsing through uh, Google today and I just saw like the headline of the article and I'm like, wow, she wants an emergency divorce. Like what the hell does that even mean? Um, 
yeah. you know, and that's that's pretty much it. I mean, not 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 really any real thoughts on them. I I've never I've I've known their names, but I've never really followed them in depth at all. Yeah, just two quick things on them. The only thing that interests me in the article was that she wanted to hold up the Prina. Mm-hmm. And part of me was thinking, like, she married a 50-year-old. You assume, like, he has a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But if she wants to hold up the prenup, you wonder if she has more money than he does. Right. And the way they made their money was, um, I guess their parents or their manager was really smart because they were the twins on the Full House show. Okay. I guess that was in the 80s yeah. um, as babies. And the reason, like, you and I would know of them after that is because they made a ton of movies that just went straight to Walmart. Uh-huh. And they would just come up with, they would just pump out several movies a year and they would make a fortune on these movies and they would get like most of the money from them, mm. um, whatever deal they, they had set up. And um, that's how they made most of their money when they were just like preteens and early teens. Have they ever done so, any like full frontal nudity or anything? No, they, they, they're very fat. I, I, don't, I don't know anything about, about their movies then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on. That was even more time than I wanted on yeah. that. Um, so there was this NBA conference call where all these top players are saying, hey, we want to unite. We don't want the season to be canceled. Mm. And this became big news because on the call was Chris Paul, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kawhi Leonard, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard Russell Westbrook. And I guess it's, this became like a big thing because James Harden wasn't on the call. Uh. And he was like the only like big superstar, not part of it. And this became like a thing on Twitter. Uh-huh. Any thoughts on that at all or not? Really? I don't like James Harden. I really don't give a fuck about him. Um, I, I, I suppose it's hard to get everybody involved. I don't know if he was snubbed or whatever. I, I, I don't personally care. Um, but I do think it's going to be very difficult to make something of this season. I really do. Like, I, I just don't know how you're going to do this, like bringing all these guys back to you know like starting in playoff mode when playoffs would have probably already been you know almost halfway done by now i i just don't know how you're going to do anything with it i think it's it's a done season and the question now is like how do you bring it back next year that's that's where i am with it yeah i really want to see the playoffs man the the, the reason i really want to is because you played this whole regular season without the playoffs it's like what was the point of this and then to sit through another regular season going back to back regular seasons without like a champion. But how like, do you how do you do it though? Like these guys are have I, I'm not saying I know how. I'm not yeah. I'm not getting into that aspect of it. What I'm saying is as a viewer, to watch two consecutive back to back seasons without seeing a champion, I wouldn't be that interested in basketball. It's like how yeah, much basketball that, do I have that, to that watch happened in other sports champion? like did didn't that happen with um with was it hockey a few years ago where where they I don't know if it was hockey or it was it was baseball or whatever. There was one season where they had a strike and they didn't have the world. I think it might have been baseball, yeah. but that was around the time where I really wasn't that, watching that, baseball. That was painful. Like that 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 hurt a lot. You know, like when they didn't have when that season just got cut off and they didn't have the World Series. So when they came back the next year, it's like you know it damaged the sport irreparably. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's going to hurt basketball if the season gets canceled. I think as viewers, you know, we're craving sports, so we, we, we'd like to see it, but I just don't know how you do it. Logically, I just don't, I don't know how that comes together. And like part of that is like, yeah, I don't want to sit through another regular season again without this season being resolved. But if you do resolve it, you kind of get almost what we had in 1999, where they just kind of throw together like a, 
like a, a half season at the end and you know players are out of shape there's risks of injuries and the team that wins it I mean you know who the hell knows it, it just could be some some other team that just gets a hot streak and it, it's not it's not what anybody even expected so I don't know I mean I like I I um I'm not the I'm not the biggest basketball fan you know I could take it or leave it I mean if they did have the playoffs I'd probably watch but without it I mean life goes on I mean I'm I'm more I'm more interested in, you know, seeing what happens with baseball. I think like you could still be able to cobble together a reasonable season. And I think with baseball, the, you know, social distancing is a lot easier in that sport. I think you can, you can piece it together and make it happen to have something going on over the summer. That's, that's kind of where, where my head is right now. I've, I've kind of like, I've kind of like, you know, gotten over the possibilities of basketball and hockey resuming. And I'm just thinking, like, let's let's see what we could do with MLB over the summer. Yeah. All right. Uh, just one quick note. You cut out a little bit. I'd say maybe hold the phone a little bit further away. Uh, I won't know about the audio issues until I actually hear sure. the show. So just in case, just I'm just being yep. cautious. All right. So let's get into the heart of things. OK, um, so I got a few topics here. Let's see where we should start. Let's go with um, let's go with Adele. This was a topic I was mad I didn't get into last week because that's when it kind of hit. But I still want to hear your thoughts on this. And um, is it is is complimenting Adele's weight loss toxic? I I don't. Is calling Adele attractive after her weight loss sending the right message? Does thin equal pretty? Mm. Should we be defined by the way we look? Mm. What are we saying to little girls? Is this fat phobic subtext implying that fat is bad? Are we saying Adele wasn't beautiful before? Does the number on the scale equate to your worth or unworth? These are the questions I'm asking. Hmm. Some so, <laughs> are you asking them, or is that just like some like liberal left wing, you know, women thing that that, that they're questions? I, I I mean, I these are a bunch of articles yeah. I read, and essentially this is a composite of everything that people were saying. This is not coming from me. I just read about four or five. Yeah, articles, I don't. And th- this is yeah, I don't think it would come stuff. from you. I mean, I I I <laughs> I, I think that like you, you know you you have to almost juxtapose Adele with Lizard. Was it Lizzo? Um you know th- this this Lizzo lady is about she's about 700 pounds. Her ass is bigger than the state of Montana. And she's out there twerking, wearing thongs, half naked, and everybody is pretending that this is cute and attractive and sexy. Right? I mean, she's so big that she's that when she was doing like these Instagram live things, she couldn't even fit on the screen. And yet this is supposed to be great. Like we're supposed to be complimenting her and telling her how attractive and how beautiful she is. Meanwhile, Adele, who used to be a porker decides to lose weight and now she's skinny, you know, like we can't tell, we can't, I'm not attracted to Adele either way, but I'm just saying like, you, you can't say, Oh, you know, you look better now or you look cute. Like, I, I don't I It's like the thought police. It's like, it's almost like you can't like, this is the left wing communists who want to govern your thoughts, govern your speech, 
They're going to tell you what you can say, tell you what you can't say. If you don't say what they want you to say, then you're a misogynist and a sexist and a fat shamer. They have a name for everything that they don't like. Right. And, and, and that, and that to me is just what it sounds like. You know, you, you have to do what they want you to do. And if you don't say, if, if you look at a big whale like Lizzo and say, she's not gorgeous and attractive and wonderful, then it's a problem. If Adele loses 300 pounds and now she's a normal size and you say, Oh, you look great. That's a problem. It's always a problem unless you, you know, there's this one article not article. This is one interview that is that was really interesting, and I I I wish that we were um, doing the radio show when this came up. And it was this Malik Yoba guy. He's a black actor who used to be on New York Undercover. And do you know him, Sean? You know the name, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know, so I know, I know. he came out and said he's attracted to like trans 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 testicles, right? And it was a big thing. And he was trying to equate trans testicles with women and say, like, I'm just attracted to anything that looks like a woman, whether it's a real woman or a trans testicle. And, you know, people had a lot to say about this. Right. Like, you know, a lot of people came out on one end and said, dude is just gay. You know, like he, he, he just doesn't want to admit it, but he's gay. And then other people came out and said, oh, that's wonderful. You know, he just sees beauty for beauty. You know, you had that side. Now, he went on The Breakfast Club, which is this this dopey radio show in New York City that I I guess is pretty popular. And um, it was Malik Yoba's and it was this other like LG barbecue guy. And it was like almost everything that like Malik Yoba said, the LG barbecue guy had to like sort of take it and kind of like put it in his own terms. It's like, you know, like every little thing. And it's like, these people have their own constructs that they want everybody to live in. And like Malik Yoba would say something as innocuous as like, you know, men and women. And then the LG barbecue would come in and say, well, you mean to say like cis men and cis women, you know, it was just like, what, like, what, what, like, these are people who are in a small minority, but they have a very big blowhorn. And Unfortunately, we're forced to listen to their bullshit way more than we should. So, you know, obviously I'm a big proponent of free speech. And if Adele lost 400 pounds and now she looks better, that's my opinion that she looks better now. You know, if the LG barbecues and the communists want to come in and say, you're fat shaming, you're a misogynist, you're a sexist, that's pretty much what I expect them to say. You know, so... um, I don't know. I mean, that that's 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 the way that I've always seen it. And that's the way that I'm I'm always going to see it. Yeah, I mean, she looks better. She's healthier. I don't know. I guess I can see I guess I can see what their point is to the point. But it's it's just ridiculous. I mean, to say that she doesn't look better and that she's not healthier would be a lie. Well, I mean, are you attracted to Lizzo's? Are you okay? When you see Adele now, do you think she's attractive? Okay. Yes. So, like, why can't you think that way? Yeah, that's my point. Like, I, I think that way. I mean, I don't need anyone's permission yeah. to think that way. But, I, like I say, I do see their point to a point. I don't. You know? Like, I get where they're going with it. But. I, I don't. I don't. The reason I don't see the point is I don't see the point mm. of you trying to tell me who I should be attracted to. 
I don't know where the point is in there. Like it's my it's my feeling that like this Adele looks good, Lizzo looks like a whale. I mean, what <laughs> you know? Like <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't know I don't know where else to go with that. Like, am I not entitled to have my own opinion anymore? What is the point? I don't see any point there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess, again, I don't want, I feel awkward because I'm on your side and I, I, I'm not even trying to play devil's advocate. I'm just, if I say anything, I feel like if, I feel like you're one extreme and they're the other extreme and I'm kind of somewhere closer to your side, not quite in the middle, but very close to your side. I'm like 99% close to your side, but if I'm not 100% on your side, you're going to destroy me. <laughs> you're like Trump. <laughs> if I show any sign of weakness, you're just going to like jump all over me, even though I'm like 99% with you. So I'm just going to let this go because I don't want to get destroyed for defending something that I'm like only 1% on. Well, again, so. when, 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 when we see a full circle movie with somebody like Lizzo in the starring role, you know, like... <laughs> because <laughs> i sat through hundreds of hu- hundreds of auditions with you where we saw thousands of women so <laughs> you know, i mean anytime somebody came in looking like lizzo's we know where that went so <laughs> oh, oh gosh Okay. Uh, next up is Brian Adams. Um, I don't know if you saw his Twitter rant. I'll just go over. Uh, just read it real quickly. Um, this is what he he uh, posted on Twitter. Tonight was supposed to be the beginning of a tenancy of gigs at the Royal Albert Hall, but thanks to some fucking bat eating, wet market, animal selling, virus making, greedy bastards, the whole world is on hold. Not to mention the thousands that have suffered or died from this virus. My message to them, other than thanks a fucking lot, is go vegan. To all the people missing out on our shows, I wish I could be there more than you know. It's been great hanging out in isolation with my children and family, but I miss my other family, my band, my crew, and my fans. Take care of yourselves, and I hope we can get through this road. I hope we can get uh, get the show on the road again soon. Um, This is what he posted on Twitter. And then he quickly had to backtrack and do an apology and all this type of stuff um, because he was accused of um, doing uh, whistleblowing racism against the Chinese. What are your did you did you follow the story at all? Or if not, like, what are your? Yeah, not really. I mean, I wish I had. I mean, this is pretty, pretty, pretty juicy stuff here. And um, I mean, I haven't heard from Brian Adams in in decades. I think the last time I remember him being anywhere popular was when he did that song from Robin Hood. So I love that. I that song from Robin Hood was one of my favorite songs for like five yeah, years. Yeah, like I that, but that was it. Like that was in the that was wow, yeah. that was like early nineties or something. It's been yeah, it's been a That's long time, time since Brian Adams has I didn't even know the guy was performing. I didn't know he was a vegan. I didn't know his politics. I mean, I didn't know anything but it it just goes to show you that like in a nutshell without even you know without you know even addressing the content of the tweet that's the danger of social media of like just having a moment and feeling a certain way and then using social media as a release 
You know, these things were not there 30 or 40 years ago when Brian Adams was a superstar. So you just have a moment and you put stuff out there and, you know, no matter how you, you personally feel or you just angry at the moment, it goes out there and, and, and now it's just going to stay out there. You know, I mean, in some weird way, you know, now we're talking about Brian Adams, where if he didn't do this, we wouldn't be speaking about him. I didn't know, honestly, what the guy was doing. I didn't even know if he was retired or still performing or no idea whatsoever. But now we're talking about him because he did something that, you know, uh, created, uh, you know, some buzz for him. Um, I didn't know. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, but just another question to you, like, why are vegans so mad? Like, why? Like, why are they so angry? <laughs> that that's interesting to me. I thought the vegans were like, you know, like peaceful people, but I mean, like I've been hearing stuff coming from the vegans where they just seem pretty angry now. And I don't get that. You know, you know what it is? I've, I've come to this conclusion. Um, and I'm not going to like specifically say vegans, but I'm, I'm going to address your question directly, even though I won't be specifically mm-hmm. talking about vegans. Um, I'm an atheist, like you know, but I'm just telling it to, to the listeners. Um, and I'm an atheist because I just don't believe in God. But I, I do find there, or, or there, there being this one creator, or the creator, you know, to, uh, you know, uh, belief. But I do think that there are people that are atheists that still they have that passion and they have that drive that religious people have. It's like, there are people out there who like make fun of religious people, but then they follow something else with the same cult-like mentality that people follow religions. And there are vegans that follow veganism like someone would follow someone in a church or in a cult or they're like, or even like we're talking with like the liberals, like the, the new wave feminists. It's like people find something to attach themselves to in a social setting where they're around other people and they say and they act and they do things that they wouldn't do on their own. But in this group that they choose to associate with, they act a certain way. And I think that people do that, whether it's veganism, whether it's the the feminists, whether it's the LGBT barbecue, whatever you call it, (laughs) whether it's, you know, whatever. Like, you know, people, I think they, they find that niche where they go with that. So when you ask me about vegans, like, I just don't have that mentality. I just, I don't eat meat. I don't eat dairy. I just, after I stopped eating it, I thought about it and I say, this is kind of gross. Cause I even, I think I've told you before, like I went vegetarian for a year when I was a teenager just to try it, but I didn't know anything about veganism. I would have been vegan since then. It's not something that like, I passionately like would speak out against like i'm not trying to convert you or even my mother or any of my friends it's just like it's something i do i think other people should do it but i'm just not going to be ranting on twitter yeah. About it, you know? yeah i mean it's it's really something because like i've i i've i've definitely read some articles and, and heard some things from the vegans and and boy these people are mad you know they're mad and they're trying to blame you know, meat eaters and, and, and bat eaters and dog and cat eaters for, for everything. (laughs) Well, we have to figure out whether this came from a bat or it was a man-made virus because there's a lot swirling around. So, you know, we're, we're hoping Trump gets to the bottom of it, (laughs) but the, 
Oh, we're hoping we're hoping the guy that says we should drink mm-hmm. um Lysol is gonna get to the bottom of it. Is, is that what we're hoping? It's a hope. Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe if we spray this thing and it stops it, maybe we should drink it. That's the guy. Dude, that's I said it's a hope. I mean, it's far. I mean, but back, but back to Brian Adams. Like, wow, dude. Like that. That's that's really that's a lot that he put out there. That's a lot. And um, yeah, it's clearly like you said. Yeah, like, I mean, I I don't like, know. Like, it, it seems to me like this could just be him venting. It could be like sort of an advertisement to become a vegan. <laughs> like, I mean, if he didn't throw the vegan part in at the end. I, I would have been a hundred percent with him, but when he throws the go vegan at the end, it's sort of like, is this an advertisement? Like, what are you doing here? Like, is this all about you just being mad at meat eaters? Like, or, you know, I, I was, I was kind of with him until the very end. And I'm like, Oh man, when he said go vegan, it kind of, you know, um, he kind of lost me at that because it, it, cause a, it doesn't seem like, I mean, I always thought of vegans as being a little more like, you know, peace loving people and not necessarily this angry. Um, and then the other side of it is like, this isn't a great. No, I, I'm not yeah, I've been seeing it now, no, but now like B I'm like, wow, like you guys are getting real angry. And like, if this is like a promo for why we should become vegan, I don't know if that's the way to go about it. Cause I can see people jumping on this and saying like, you know, it's, it, it has a dog whistles, you know, for like racism and, um, you know, bigotry and stuff like that. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a funny post, but if he didn't, if he didn't have the vegan stuff at the end, I probably would have been, okay, I see where he's coming from, but the vegan part threw kind of a curveball where it's like, where are you going with this? Is this really about your, your true frustrations about the coronavirus? Or are you just mad that somebody, you know, next to you ate a hot dog? Like, like what, what were you really going with this? So that's kind of how I, I see it. Yeah. Is that all the way, is that, the way all these things happen it's like you yeah. had me up I until the not. end you know it's like hitler hitler had these speeches and he's like then kill all the jews it's like whoa whoa yeah. whoa it's like you know it's like all these like there are a lot of people that like hold on a minute hitler, hitler had happened. you up until he said kill the jew <laughs> whoa no, no, no. I, i'm just i'm just saying that as like whoa. a super extreme example Dude. I, I'm going to disassociate myself with that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next week's podcast is going to be me furiously yeah. apologizing for that last bit right there. Oh, boy. I, I have I, I am just completely dissociating myself with that comment. Oh my god, I mean, I have nothing to do with that one. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I was, yeah. I'm just making a point. Like sometimes people say like certain things and you think they're just going on a general <laughs> rant and then they sting you at the end with like, whoa, like where did that come from? Yeah, so, so we like so I just I just said that for shock. Okay. That's all. Oh, I mean, that, that's very similar to that Candace Owen comment about um, uh, Candace Owen's comment about Hitler, where she was like, yeah, if Hitler just wanted to take over Europe, that would have been, you know, if what did she say? She said, if Hitler just wanted to, like, you know, uh, do, do stuff in Germany, it would have been OK. But when he went international, it became a problem. It's like, no, 
It was a problem, period. <laughs> it was never okay. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, weathers, man. You just, you, uh, you may have, that may have just been it for you right there. <laughs> hey, some oh, of my best oh, friends are Jews. God. You had to throw that in, too. <laughs> oh, I gotta hit all. I gotta hit all. Yeah, man, you just gotta, gotta go with points. it, man. There was this. There was this one lady. I forgot. Mm. I forgot the context of it. I forgot who she was. But it was some racist thing that was going on, and she was trying to defend her and her husband um, that they weren't racist against Jews. They weren't mm. anti-Semites or anything like that. And she was like, "My lawyer's a Jew. I love Jews." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it just came off so hilarious. But um, all right, yeah, yeah I, I it's, think it's, it's best we move on from this. It's really possible. best. <laughs> How do we go from Brian? We need to get We need to get you out of this, man. Oh boy, we need to get you out of this. I'm in quicksand, and just like my my oh man, <laughs> up. Um, done it this time, Weathers. Oh. <laughs> Dr. Anthony Fauci versus Senator um, from Kentucky, Rand Paul. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but I'll just go over a few snippets of their back and forth. Uh, This is from uh, Rand Paul. Uh, As much as I respect you, Dr. Fauci, I don't think you're the end all, Paul said. I don't think you're the one person that gets to make the decision. We can we can take uh, we can listen to your advice, but there are other people um, there are people on the other side saying there isn't going to be a surge. Then Fauci uh, replied, I'm a scientist, I'm a physician, I'm a public health official. I give advice according, uh, according to best scientific evidence. And now Paul, um, for those that don't know, did contract coronavirus. Uh, this was, I think, in April. Um, and while he was waiting for his test results, he attended um, Senate lunches and used the Senate gym and may have infected other people while he was waiting for his test results. And this upset a lot of people as well. Um, now, to according to Paul, in rural parts of the U.S., the virus has not made a big enough impact to warrant the reaction to it. And he says that we should follow the Swedish model. And evidently in Sweden, even during the pandemic, it's illegal to keep your kids home from school. So what are your thoughts on this? Is, is the stay-at-home orders, does that amount to a dictatorship since we're on the Hitler front? Or um, and just in general, scientific evidence versus the economical and social concerns of, of, of the um Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, like, because of the, the, our country and how it came to be and, 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 and the origins of it, um, you know, kind of... Um, you know, rebelling against England for, you know, taxation without representation. And I think there was a point in there where like the British people tried to quarantine the colonies and saying like, you can't leave your houses or something like that. There there may have been, they passed like the quarantine act or something like this is, this stuff has been around in like American history where people are very touchy about, you know, their, their basic rights being violated and, and, and how far the government can reach or, or overreach. And it's it's real. And Paul is a, he's a he's a Tea Party guy. Yeah. So, he's so it, it does become a question of like how far can the government reach, and 
because you know when it comes to the left wing communist, enough is never enough. You know, and and that's and that's just the way it is. Like the world, they, they're always going to want more, and and I think that's sometimes what the concern is because we even see this happening in in New York City, where like I, I read this article in a newspaper this week where some of the left wing Marxist Leninists were upset because they feel like the city hasn't done enough to stop people from driving. And they wanted to use the quarantine as a way to limit the amount of cars on the street. Right. And in and, and this article it was some crybaby Marxist Leninist who was like, Oh, in Seattle, they decided they're going to block off, you know, like a five mile radius where cars can no longer drive. And in, in Stockholm, they're going to do something like, you know, I, I can't believe that in New York, you know, de Blasio, you know, ha- isn't using this coronavirus to to do more to create more bike lanes and um, stop people from driving, you know, and they were bitching about how like. Um, What's the difference between driving well, and biking? In my mind, a big difference, because like, you know, I have kids and I can't ride around on a bike with three kids on the back. No, no, no. I'm saying like not. Uh, I'm saying like, why are they saying that bike? Because 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 they bike fine? and they don't have cars, so they. Mm. I'm just saying, from a coronavirus standpoint, it, I don't see how either would be better or well, worse. Well, I. Like, it, it's it's what they want. It's not what's better or worse. But the point is that yeah. you know, like, so yeah. De Blasio, Mayor De Blasio said that he wanted to quadrant off like 200 miles of streets in the city so people could practice social distancing but then at the same time you're supposed to be in your house and quarantined so blocking off streets during coronavirus isn't that encouraging people to come out i don't understand that so it's like it's the it's if you there was this one thing on facebook of this blonde lady who was like reading the list of like social distancing rules and they're completely contradictory so if we're supposed to be quarantining I don't know why he's blocking off streets so people can go outside and walk on the streets. It doesn't make any sense. But the Marxist Leninists were pushing de Blasio to do this. So like now, if you want to go by like Prospect Park or Cunningham Park or different places in Brooklyn, what they've done is they've blocked off all the streets around the parks so people can, you know, I guess, social distance themselves. Not that anybody's really doing that. They're still going in the park, but it's 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 blocking off the streets. Now, the Marxist Leninists, their attitude is now that we've blocked off the streets, once we return to normal, let's keep those streets blocked off. They, 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 they literally just want to block off more and more streets to create more traffic to, you know, to choke drivers from driving in the city. That's their idea. Right. Um, and so the point, the, the, the point that I'm getting at is like, you know, we as like middle-class people and, you know, who have kids and who have a certain lifestyle, we're always having to deal with the Marxist Leninists who the world is never enough. Like, I just want to have a car and drive my kids to their sports practices and go shopping at, you know, the supermarket and put my stuff in the car. Cause I don't live that close to a supermarket where I can walk and I have a lot of bags cause I have, you know, five people in my house. These are people that are often, you know, they don't have kids. They, they're you know they live in apartments and their lifestyle and my lifestyle is not compatible i can't survive 
just riding a bike with three kids and a wife. I, I need a car. I own a house. I have things that I, I, I need to put in my car. I travel a lot for, 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 you know, with my kids, I can't survive on a bicycle, but yet these are people who were consistently looking to impose their bike lanes and impose street closures on the city because they just don't want you to drive your car. And it doesn't make any fucking sense, but they'll use something like coronavirus as like, Oh, if we can take away 200 miles of streets, as soon as things re return to normal in the city opens, they're going to bitch that they're giving the streets back to the cars. I don't know how New York city can run without cars on the streets. I just don't see it happening. How do things get delivered? And in today's world where the MTA is filthy and there's bums all over the street, all over the, the sleeping all over the cars and they're, they're, they're filled with diseases and grime and dirt, right? <clears throat> what if I don't want to take a train? I don't know who would want to take a train, especially if you're elderly, I'd rather take an Uber or an access a ride or anything to avoid the MTA. But these are assholes that like want to impose their way of living on everyone else. And so when you look at these people in Mich Michigan and these militias with guns out on the street, right? I mean, people can look at them as like these racist rednecks, these second amendment wackos, but, but, but they are the other side of the coin, right? They're not these, you know, I mean, Manhattan liberal elite gay lesbian LG barbecue people who are like claim to be peaceful and stuff like that. But in their head, they're constantly, you know, trying to uh, uh, consolidate their own power. These are, you know, guys with beer bellies with guns out, you know, in, in the in the boondocks. But they're two sides of the same coin. And you need to fight back against these like urban you know, professional LG barbecue people who, who, who are constantly looking to put more tolls on bridges, more tolls on tunnels, congestion pricing in every city. They don't want cars on the streets. They, they, they want to do things the way they want to do them. And they want to force everybody to live their fucking lifestyle. So this is the balance. And I think in New York, we see one side of the coin, but then when we look at the militias and the people out in out on the street, oh, look at those rednecks with the Confederate flags and they're looking, you know, they're, they're, they're going to lynch. Like, that's how we see it because New York is such a bubble. But at the same time, it's like this city is, is very difficult to live in when you're like upper middle class, very difficult to live in. And these liberal elites and their little, their, their little um, minions, they don't make it any easier for us. These are people, they talk about how these like militias they're voting for Trump and they're voting against their interests because they're poor white people and they're voting for a billionaire white guy who doesn't give a fuck about him, which is sort of the argument that Howard Stern was trying to make on his radio show the other day. But at the same time, these 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 white people who live in Brooklyn who are voting for, you know, and, and agreeing with all these liberal elite Manhattan shit, they're also going against their own best interests. How does congestion pricing, bike lanes, higher taxes, tolls and fares help a white person living in Brooklyn. It doesn't help you either. And that's the thing. I feel like this is very loosely connected to the Fuji and uh, Rand Paul discussion, but I guess I see where you're going with that. All right. Um, now uh, let's move on to this uh, Brianna Taylor, the 26 year old EMT worker that was shot and killed in her own home. Um, by narcotic, 
during mm. a narcotics bust in Louisiana. Evidently, the uh, officers went into the wrong house. Um, they had actually arrested a suspect earlier in that day that was 10 miles away from Brianna's house. When they broke in, um, her boyfriend said they didn't identify themselves, so he shot one shot in self-defense. And that's all the cops needed. After that, they let off 25 shots. Eight of them hit Brianna and killed her. And um, currently, no charges have been filed. No arrests have been made. The uh, three officers are on paid leave. And uh, now the um, boyfriend is in jail. And uh, he's going to be up on charges for um, shooting at a police officer. I don't know what the exact charges are. Um, looking right now but um but he's up on charges and no charges are on for the cops this was an innocent amt worker another black person killed by cops this is a second episode in a row where we have this issue it just seems like a big a big accident you know like i mean they they were looking for 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 some drug dealer they went into the apartment they often don't they're undercover so they often don't have like their badges and stuff like that and then the black guy who was in the, 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 the you know, shot at them. I mean, they they were defending themselves, you know? I mean, like, these things happen. It's They're defending themselves yeah, because they in looking, someone's they own were home. Looking, it's like, no, they, isn't the boyfriend no, the one They were looking himself? for a dangerous drug home. dealer. And they came into the apartment. They were looking for the drug dealer. This black guy started shooting at them, and they shot back. And unfortunately, she got hit. They didn't want to kill her, you know. Um, it just happened, dude. Like these things happen. We just got to move on. And, and, and how would you? How would you feel? I don't. I wouldn't pull out a gun if the deal. DEA came to my house because that's that. How would you know? Well, you how would know you not know? It's a bunch of like white guys who are probably coming in wearing like Yan- Yankees jackets or Giants jackets. Like they all dress. <laughs> they they still dress sure like they that. do. They all, they're always very yeah. Oh, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, um, in the nineties, anytime you saw a a car ride up to your block, white guy. and there's like four guys, each of them like two fit four white guys with like mullets and mustaches, and they all have like baseball jerseys and baseball caps and. It's four of them cramped in one car. Mm-hmm. They're each 250 yeah. pounds, six, two or taller. It's it's like, like, they so show up, they're all wearing like New York know. Jets jackets or like giant, Giants jackets, like those old school jackets. They all dress the same. I mean, yeah. yeah, like everybody yeah, knows, like, yeah. who, like, why would... Are they still like that? I don't, I mean, I, I don't, I honestly don't know. Like, I don't, I don't see as many undercover officers now under de Blasio as I did. Like, it it is very Giuliani era where you'd see like a lot of them out there. (laughs) Like, you don't really see as much of it in the de Blasio era. I don't really think that like they're, first of all. I saw one Mm -hmm. undercover cop since I was a kid to now. I saw one undercover cop. This is at least Mm -hmm. 10 years ago. I was in a bar and this cop, he, he it was just, it was a white guy. I knew it was a cop mm-hmm. because as he walked past me, he was sniffing my body. And I was like, oh, this guy's obviously mm-hmm. a cop sniffing to see if I'm smoking weed. And that was it. But he just looked like a regular mm-hmm. guy. He didn't, he was tiny, thin. He didn't look like the typical undercover that you'd see under Giuliani. But 
Yeah, I I haven't seen them unless they're unless they're actually good I don't at their job. So. Because we're not really living in the crack era anymore where like you don't hear about like massive drug busts happening the way that you used to where like before I think they were very aggressive and like there was a lot of them out there. Um, But I don't I don't think under de Blasio or even so much under Bloomberg because there were there was there were so many episodes in Giuliani era with, you know, Amadou Diallo and. Um, you know, Abner Louima and Patrick Dorisman. There were so many of those episodes where things like this went wrong, you know, with, with, with like undercover officers shooting people that I think when you get into Bloomberg, he pulled back on it. And now that like weed is basically legal. I mean, what are you going to do if somebody's smoking weed? I mean, it's, it's a slap on the wrist at this point. And now because like, you know, white people have had all kinds of issues with opioids and, you know, methamphetamines, they're almost looking at those drugs as being more of like a mental health issue than as like a real addiction problem. Like, like white people aren't being criminalized for being meth heads the way that black people were criminalized for being crackheads. So I, I don't, I don't know that they, they, those, those departments, I could probably find out, but I don't know if those departments in the NYPD are even as active as they used to be. Um, Cause I don't see as much of it. And I remember back in the were meth heads ever like under like heavy? Um, were they ever like under heavy? Like, were people really trying to get? Well, meth, meth heads was more of a suburban thing. So, like, like that's that's hard for me to say. I mean, I think yeah, it would depend yeah, on the county you were in and how how prevalent things were. But I remember, like, in the late. But it would. I would think not to cut you off, but I would think if they were that would balance out the amount of white people in jail to black, but that's never been fully balanced. But I think if you arrested meth heads the way they arrested crackheads, there would definitely have been more of a balance with like how many white people could, but then also you have to understand that like the way that like drugs works in the suburbs is very different than it is in the city. In the city, a lot of times it's like, it's out in the open and you know, you have people, you know, gang, gang, gang bangers shooting each other over turf. You have, you know, open air drug markets. You have crack houses. You have a lot of stuff where it's 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 wide open in the suburbs. You know, people aren't really standing on the corner selling meth. It's it's done in the privacy of people's houses. And 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 it's a more sophisticated way of networking and, and, and selling the drugs. So it's harder to track. It's not out in the open. Um, they don't have like crack houses like that in the suburbs. A lot of these are like areas that are very well to do. And these are things that are happening inside. So, you know, like it's it's just not as easy to even track it and follow it as it would be in the city where like, you know, that this corner is hot because somebody got shot there last night. And, and you know, it, it, it's easy to trace these things and who's selling it and who's not selling it. Plus, a lot of this stuff is like gang done through gang affiliations and in projects you know it, it it's just different and i'm not saying that like it, it it shouldn't be proportional but but what i do know is having lived in the city for most of my life and having lived in the suburbs for like a year right there's just as much if not more drugs in the suburbs but you just never see it it's just not out there and you can't just walk into somebody's house and bust them unless you have a search warrant and when you're when you're working in like a suburban police department and you have people with money, 
those things aren't as easy to obtain because a lot of people who were using drugs like you know meth and stuff like that in the suburbs they can be the sons and daughters of well-to-do people so I, i think it just works very differently now i'll tell you this I remember back in whether I think it was like 19, just before, like probably 1999, 2000, the Giuliani era, um, we had just uh, finished filming a scene in one of my movies. Um, and my cinematographer, who was just very, um, was very helpful, put in a lot of time for me, was very reliable. Uh, I decided to just drive him home, you know, to, you know, it was late, late night. And I drove him back. He lived in like the South Bronx and I dropped him there. And on my way back, uh, to Brooklyn. Um, I, in those days I used to smoke like cigars. Um, and in the movie we were using like those, uh, I forgot what they're called, like beaties or something. I forgot that, like the little small, like, um, cigar slash cigarettes. I forgot what they were called, like beaties or something. They were small, really bad, like just bad for your lungs and everything. So I wouldn't inhale them, but I used to smoke them. You know, I, I had some from the movie set cause we were, they looked like blunts. So I was just, you know, like, fuck it. I'm driving home. I'm just smoking it. It was like three in the morning and trying to stay awake. And I got pulled over by the undercover cops in the South Bronx. And they pulled me over. They're very aggressive. Like, get the fuck out of the car. Pull me out. I, I didn't, they didn't grab me, but they said, get out of the car. Got out of the car. They had the light in my face. They were like, you know, what are you doing here? Um, they put the flashlight in the car. They're like, he's smoking weed. I'm like, no, it's a beady. I'm not smoking anything. One of the other guys is like, yeah, it's a BD. I'm surprised he didn't try to bring me in for that. And um, they're like, what are you doing up here? And I'm like, you know, I um, was dropping off my friend. And they were just like, well, you know, we're looking for somebody like you in a red car. I'm like, yeah, well, sorry. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that's about. And then they were just like, okay, yeah, yeah. Get back in the car and go. But it was, it was very impromptu, very aggressive. They didn't, they didn't have any reason for pulling me out of the car. They didn't have any reason for searching me, nothing, you know? And like this, this, this was just the way it went down. You know what I'm saying? And like, now had I been angry and upset and aggressive or whatever, I probably would have got locked up or maybe shot, but that was the, well, that, yeah, I mean, that's, that was a Giuliani New York, but that's why with me, you know, in a situation like that, I got to keep a cool head and I got to conduct myself the right way. Now, when these when these DEA officers went into that apartment, the black dude got a hothead, started shooting. And you know how that's going to end up, you know? So unfortunately she died. It's a sad situation. Yeah. A lot of these guys, man, if you challenge them in any way, they do, they just go off. Like something's wrong with them. Like mentally, they just, I guess you have to have the mentality to have that job. It's just like right. challenge. Yeah, they get they any, get very they're very like they're 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 big, strong guys with guns, but they have very sensitive egos. And and, and they, what? Uh, yeah, but sensitive eagles. Like like they like you, you'd think Yeah, you you would you would yes, think that like they'd be able yeah. to, you know, deal have thicker skin, but no, like they they get offended very quickly. They expect you to to obey the badge and to fall in line and and yes, sir, no, sir. That's what they expect. And like if you challenge their authority in any way, you know, these are people who are not capable of overlooking it. Like they they get very petty and they try to provoke you. Um, They 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 say little passive aggressive shit 
And if you come off as being directly aggressive, you know, they'll shoot you. And, and, and this is what I, I say to my sons all the time. I said, every interaction with the cop, the, 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 there's only one focus and that's to walk away alive. <laughs> you know, like you just got to be real about it. Like you want to live. And they've, they've seen me get pulled over by cops on a few different occasions and they've seen how I handle the situation. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's just what it is. You know, the goal is to be alive. And if, if you're, if you challenge their authority or you pull a gun on them, it's over. That that's just what what policing is. So I I feel bad that the lady got killed, but like, you know, yeah, it's bad. But like, I mean, the fact that her 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 boyfriend pulled out a gun and started shooting, you know, like you should have thought a little bit more about that. You know, like I mean, like, but that's not like a split. I don't know. Like, I mean, I I think that like if you have a cool head and it's like five white guys breaking in your house with, with New York jets jackets. I mean, you know, you probably can tell, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, it was Louisiana. Like, had, like, like the, the Pelicans or the saints or something like that. Fan. I mean, you could tell, I mean, you know, f- five <laughs> brawlic white guys breaking into your apartment. I mean, why would, they, why would they be knocking down your door? I mean, it's obviously some kind <laughs> of sting, you know? I mean, like break-in robberies like that, where they knock down your door, are are very, very, very uncommon, you know. So, like, for it to something like that to happen, I mean, within a split second, you can look at them and see five white guys. You probably know they're they're undercover officers, and they're looking. But I don't know. On them I don't know. I mean, they didn't really. I, I'm not, like I'm I'm not. I'm not I don't think you. so. I, I think that when they're general, when they're like, when they're looking to bust know, a like, drug house, they don't identify themselves. They're just going in there to like arrest you. The, if they identify themselves, it's after you're in handcuffs. But they, like they don't walk in and say, you know, like, hey, mm. I mean, if it's if it's a uniform police, they'll just like outside the door, police, and they knock your door down and arrest you. But like when they're the undercover people, like the DEA or those people. They're just coming in and ransacking your apartment. They're gonna they're gonna ransack it and ask questions later. They're assuming that you're in there with guns and drugs, so they're coming in ready to shoot. So I mean, I I'll I'll tell you right now, like I, I mean, I'd be I would just be very very careful to um you know I'd be careful. I I don't know how long it takes to identify them. I don't know what was going through his mind, but you know if he did shoot at them, they're gonna shoot back. And his his girl, yeah, right. And they won't stop until the clip is empty. Yeah. And unfortunately, <laughs> you like you know, they may have been living in a high times. crime zone, and <laughs> his girlfriend is sort of a casualty of of war. I mean, it it all sucks, but it's just what it is. You know, it's what it is. He should have been. He should have yeah. maybe taken a second yeah. and and thought about it before he he started shooting. I don't know. All right, last topic uh, is Little Richard. Yeah. Uh, he died of bone cancer on uh, May 9th. Um, so uh, I, w- I didn't know much about Little Richard. I know him for like a few of his songs, like Tutti Fruity and Good Dolly Miss Molly and stuff like that. Um, and, and I always knew him as this flamboyant, you know, gay guy. And he was, I, I think he even said himself, he was one of like the first real famous people to come out as openly gay. But when I started reading up on him, this guy was, whoo. Anyway, I'll, I'll just give you well, a first, first, first of all, I, I don't think he was just gay. I think he he was just he was just a uh, you know like bisexual, like just wanted like 
Well, go ahead. I don't, I don't, I don't, I never saw him as gay. I, I saw him as being very flamboyant. I think he had relationships with guys, but I think he also had relationships with women too. Oh, well, well you thought you're of- right. right. I was just saying what I thought of him yeah. prior to this. Yeah, yeah, but no, you're right, though. Um, it's factually. Um, his dad kicked him out of the house for being gay when he was a kid. In his um, early 20s, um, he'd drive around with a female friend um, and pick up men, and then he would watch uh, her have sex with the men at the back of the car. Um, he did this a while, and then in 1955, he got arrested for three days for sexual misconduct when he got caught by a gas station doing it. Um, he became friendly with openly gay musician Billy Wright, who helped him establish the Little Richard persona. And that's of wearing like a ton of makeup and, and doing up his hair like a woman. Um, and doing this helped him get into predominantly white venues um, because white men um, weren't as threatened with him uh, and his bandmates like taking their white women. And he made his band members dress up the way he did as well. Um, so they can get into a lot of white venues. Um, his girlfriend, um, one of his girlfriends that he talked about, um, he watched her have sex with other men. And uh, he, so he, he voyeurism was something that like he did throughout his life. Um, and uh, other forms of voyeurism in college, he exposed himself to a male student. And he was also arrested at a bus stop for spying on men um, while they were urinating. Um, in 1982, he, um, he said God gave him victory over homosexuality. Uh, and that was on the late night with David Letterman. And in the early 70s, he became addicted to cocaine. And he said they should have called him little cocaine because he sent so much of it. And by the mid 70s, he added heroin and PCP to it. He was also very religious in 1957, he became born, born again. And in 1970, he became an ordained minister. So those are just some of the more interesting facts uh, on him. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's real sexual deviant in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, I I, I remember little Richard more from like the 1980s where, you know, he was kind of a, a regular on the talk show circuit and he made some appearances on MTV for different things like that. Um, I didn't really know much of his music. Like I knew Tutti Frutti and he he claimed to have had other songs that were stolen from him, from Elvis and Jerry Lee Lewis. Um, I, I, I accepted him as being one of the, the architects of, of rock and roll music and one of the early pioneers of it, but didn't know a whole lot more about him than that. Like even the stuff you're telling me now, I didn't know any of this. I mean, I, I, I had heard I I think he remember I remember him saying he was some kind of reverend at some point. Um, it it, it kind of gets into what you you were saying about religion. Like some of these religious people, like they need that religion because they're so like they're fighting against like these these urges that they they can't resist well, it's a, it's a, it's, an, like it's like an opiate you know like check, a you know? lot of if you look at these porn stars right how many people have gone from porn into like other extreme things like there's a lot of porn stars that have gone from porn to the pulpit it, it has happened and then there's also a lot of porn people like a lot of porn women that after they're done with porn they they become like bodybuilders and stuff 
Like I've seen people like it, it's not uncommon that people go from like one extreme to another. You know, they're just they're just extreme people that when they start doing something, they they take it to, you know, the maximum. Right. Um, there's a lot of people who like, you know, like there's some of these reverends when you look at them and it's like if you turned off the volume and, and put like a pimp talking shit and a preacher talking shit, it would look the same. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, th there, there's a lot of that. So. I find religion to be a very curious thing. You know, it, it just seems to be another extreme that a lot of these people go to that are sexual deviants and drug addicts. And, you know, they, they, they really kind of, these are people that can't live within normal parameters and they're always going to find something that is outside of the box to attach themselves to. So, you know, little Richard wouldn't be the first person that had these, kind of you know extreme parts to his personality i mean chuck berry did you know clearly chuck berry did um jerry lee lewis did elvis presley did they all did they they they, they all had relationships i don't know so much about little richard or chuck berry but they all had relationships with like underage girls they all you know had different types of sexual deviancy i mean chuck berry got arrested a few times for videoing people taking shits and in, in his in his you know his, his club or whatever i mean they all, oh yeah that was a big thing in the 80s like he had he had like strategically placed cameras that. in like all the bathrooms in one of his venues and he he had you know like thousands of hours of footage of people taking shits you know like just these are these are crazy people in a lot of ways you know that kind of went into that lifestyle and if you if you look Didn't one of them like one of the guys you mentioned? I forget. I forget which That's one. Jerry Lee Lewis. One of them who married. Yeah, and then Elvis Presley. Cousin. I mean, Elvis Presley was grooming okay. Priscilla yeah. Presley when Jeez. she was about you know fourteen, fifteen years old as well. You know, I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these things happened. I mean, like another one that, that's been strategically covered up is look at Steve Tyler. Steve Tyler was another one who, who was like in some open relationship with like a fourteen-year-old girl back in like the, the early seventies and, and they've managed to really try to, you know, uh, wash that, wash that story from the internet and, you know, keep that stuff out of the public as much as possible. But, you know, as much as they've tried to expunge it, I mean, he, I think he, he, he got her pregnant too, if I'm not mistaken, but there's a lot of these like rock and roll guys that, 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 that were very, very sexually deviant and, and, and practice all kinds of pedoph pedophilia, um, it, you know, it definitely is not just R. Kelly who's done this kind of shit, you know? So, I mean, when I hear this stuff about little Richard, it's like, okay, I mean, tell me, tell me anybody of, of that level who was that flamboyant and that eccentric who, 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 who doesn't have, it, it's probably just more of a question of what he got busted for. But I think a lot of them, a lot of them did this kind of stuff. I just think it was in their blood to be, you know, extreme and eccentric and, you know, uh, you know, at times illegal. It, it just appears that way. You see, I kind of disagree with you. I think a lot of people have that in them, but they're in a position where they can act on it. You know, I think a lot of people, if they were in a position where they had a lot of money and they had a lot of influence over people, and like they have all these people that are willing to do anything they want, you know, because of who they are. 
I think mm-hmm. a lot of people have a lot of. Deep I don't know. I mean, them, it, you know? again, it it does come to what you can get away with, and I think now also in the age of, you know, camera phones and and social media, it's it's a lot harder to get away with anything. So, I think people are are, are just going to push those feelings and desires even deeper down than ever before because you know like it just takes somebody video videoing you and it's out there so i i i think you know i mean i agree that like a lot of people do have these things in them but it's really hard to quantify it unless they got caught you know like thoughts in your head yeah i mean thoughts in your head are thoughts in your head i mean you know you could be thinking about you know banging your dog but if you never do it for whatever reason, whether you feel you're going to get caught or whatever, if you don't do it, you don't do it. You know, that's just kind of like the movie Cape Fear where, you know, they, they said, Hey, you know, we want to arrest this guy. He's going to kill me, but I know he's going to kill me. But when, when they went to the cops, the cops is like, he hasn't broken any law. He hasn't done it. He hasn't physically done anything, you know, like, Yeah, I mean, he hasn't physically done anything to you. He hasn't, you know, like broken any laws. We can't arrest him because you suspect that he's going to kill you, you know, and that's that's some of the 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 psychology behind this. Like, yeah, I mean, chances are maybe a lot of guys would 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 do deviant stuff. But if they feel they're going to get caught, um, they're not going to do it or they could use religion to say, like, you know, the religion can kind of keep you maybe i don't know if it does but they can say because they follow god you know god wouldn't approve of x y and z and that's why they're not doing it even though they want to they feel like if they do it they're going to go to hell you know when god judges them if that keeps them from being deviant then that's another thing that could be That's why hell was invented. Yeah. Hell isn't even like a Bible thing. Hell was invented like much, much later because right. people just didn't care about following all right. these rules unless you made up some kind of consequence for them. It's like, all right, let's make up some like stupid consequence out of nowhere. Like, okay, you'll burn in hell. I mean, it's like people, you're right. People like yeah, need like, some kind of I mean, like- I went to Catholic school and I remember like my first week of school, I'll never forget it in first grade. Uh, Because I went to public school for kindergarten. But when I got into Catholic school in first grade, the first week of class, all that the nun did was just drill us on going to hell. It was just one week of like, you guys are hell bound. (laughs) You know, it's like, I mean, it's, it's, it it was, it was bizarre. Cause like, I mean, I, I, again, like having gone to to public school for two years and playing with blocks and Legos and doing stuff like that. And now you're in a Catholic school and it was just literally every single day for like three hours, she would just browbeat us with like, it, it just seemed like everything you do is wrong. Like you look at someone the wrong way. You're a sinner. You curse. You're a sinner. You have impure thoughts. You're a sinner. You steal something. You're a sinner. You eat too much food, you're a sinner. Every fucking thing, you're 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 wrong. And you're gonna you're gonna be damned. You're going to hell. And I'm like, and I'm sitting there like in this class, and I'm like, you know, at that age of six, the one thing about like growing up in like a religious community is you don't see any way out of it. Like you you may you may know in your head that this shit is crazy. But you don't know, like, there's no way out. Like, you may have questions, but there's no way out. So you just feel stuck in it 
even though you you know in your head like this shit doesn't add up because almost everything I say or do or even think as a six-year-old kid is a sin and it's like I don't know how I cannot go to hell I just feel like whatever you know like it's it's like that's how it was in in Catholic <laughs> school and I and I remember like feeling this through many many years and the first time when I got to the age where I'm like I think I can find a way out of this I was gone <laughs> you know like and I'm sure I'm sure a lot of my friends were too once we hit that age where it's like we don't really have to go along with this anymore we were out of it and like you know with 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 like Christianity not everybody has that out you know you have these people in like these small towns and rural communities and it's like they, like to to them like there there is it's not as easy to get out of it as you think so you know that's the funny thing about about religion is like it, it can have yeah it, it can it can kind of keep you on a straight and narrow but at the same time it can also have a, ve a very negative effect on you psychologically as well because it it plays a lot on your guilt and on your conscience like that you're like I'm like in certain religions, like the Jehovah witnesses and stuff. It's like, you're, you're like, everybody's doomed. The world's going to end. It's, it's, you know, it's over. <laughs> you better repent. You know, the apocalypse is next week. <laughs> you know, like, it's just, it's like, you can't win in these things. I mean, if that keeps somebody in line, then I guess it does. But then also it keeps you in line at what cost. And, and in some cases it's the cost of your humanity. Yeah, yeah. Haha, <sighs> crazy man. So, what did we learn today? We learned that mm -hmm. Brianna Taylor and Little Richard are probably not in hell. Hopefully, mm -hmm. um, Adele is hot. Lizzo mm -hmm. is not. Yeah, Brian Adams still Wait, exists. You, so, let me ask you. This. Yeah, um, yeah. And if a bunch yeah. of if a bunch of with, big with, white guys with New York dress jackets, yes, don't shoot. They're probably cops. Let me ask you, dude. Yes. I gotta ask you. with any kind if, of sports. Okay, attire, you're at the bar. They're probably last, yeah. last, last call, man. Yeah. Last call, right? I mean, last yes. call. Lizzo oh, is there. Okay. Lizzo is there. Okay, can <laughs> you? I mean, you haven't you haven't had okay. any poontang okay. in a while, man. It's been it's been a desert. You've been starving. Do you do you see yourself? Do you see yourself laying the pipe on Lizzo? Okay. In in a situation like that. Nobody, nobody's gonna know. Do you see yourself going there? <laughs> you see, I, the answer is no. But no, not because she's no, because like I dislike, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. for instance, if you gave me, a, if you said she was just ugly, I would say yes. Like I'm mm -hmm. not a big face guy, so I can deal with ugly. I just can't deal with fat. Mm -hmm. So it's almost not a fair question in a way. Because you have mm -hmm. some people that would say a pretty face and a fat body, I'm fine. I'm more like, wow. I, I'll take the thin body and an ugly face. So I'm, I just can't get into it. Even if she had like a 10 face, if she's that mm. size, I couldn't, I, could, you I, couldn't, I, you just, just do, couldn't go there. Do it for me. Mm. Mm. Interesting, no. dude. That's no. such a sexist, no. misogynist, fat shaming. <laughs> 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 Yeah, fat phobic. How could you? <laughs> like <it's>... Fat phobic. <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, I already went down the Hitler road. It's funny, man. I no, I, I, I think that's pretty that. consistent. I'm asking you that question. I'm just wondering, because I'm wondering if your if your your taste in women has evolved or changed throughout your lifetime. Like that, that's why I'm asking the question. Because you you've always been into the thin the thin girls. And I'm just wondering that like as you, you know, I mean, I've known you now about 20 yeah. years. So I'm just wondering if that's evolved at all. Uh, Cause you, you sometimes wonder with guys like, you know, you know, as you get older, you hit 30, you get close to 40. Do you start to um, evolve a little bit and accept, are you willing to accept certain things at 40 that you weren't going to accept at 20 or does it just stay the exact same? Do you, do, do your standards, I don't want to say drop, but they could drop or do they evolve? Do they widen? Do they stay the same? I just wonder because like sometimes now I do look at chicks that like 20 years ago, I would have never even looked at them. You know, I, 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 I sometimes, not that I'm, I'm willing to deal with a pig, but I'm just saying that like there are certain things that I see with certain women, you know, now that 20 years ago, I would have, uh, I'd have never even looked twice. But you, st you still have certain baselines where it's like certain things change, but they're, are certain qualifications. No, everything hasn't changed for sure. Have, and like, I'm or not into big chicks. Like I'm, I'm not into big chicks, but like, I, I think that like my guidelines of, 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 of what I'd look at when I was 20 and what I look at now, I think my guidelines have shifted. I'm, I'm a little more, at least for, in my own taste, I'm a, I'm a little more forgiving with certain things than I used to be. Like, I think when I was 20, I was very hardline. Like, this is what I like in a, in, in physical appearance of a woman. Now I, I have, there's a little more, a little more flexibility, um, you know, than, than I had, you know, 20 years ago. But I think if you're, your case being like a single guy, like you don't, you don't have to, yeah. I, I don't know. I think if you're single, you don't have to have any flexibility. You could just like what you like and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, like there has been some evolution. Um, like when I was really young, it was all about like, you talk about the late eighties where like being dark skin and being black was not cool. Um, and mm -hmm. it was all about like light skin girls or girls with like street hair, you know, and stuff like that. That's mm -hmm. evolved. Like, I don't, I like dark skin girls. I don't mind nappy hair. Um, I, I, I don't mind no makeup and stuff like that, but I don't, I don't think that's ever bothered me. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if it's evolved as much probably as it sounds like your taste has, yeah, um, but it's evolved yeah. some, but not Yeah. That's one of the things that I, I that I've always, I've always wondered. Cause I, I think now like I'm older and I've had kids and I look at, I look at women and like, I, like I can look at like a milfy type woman now and say like, she looks good. Whereas like back in the day, like that would have been like, hell no. Like if you're not, you know, if you're not as young and, you know, in fit and all that, you know, but now I can look at women like 35, 40 years old and say like, you know, she might have a kid, but she still kept it together. She still looks good. You know, like I, I can, I can have that appreciation now that I've had kids that, you know, when I was, when I was um in 20 years old, a woman who had a kid was just like, I'm not even looking at that. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's sort of the, that's just sort of the, that's sort of the difference. It's not a huge difference, but it's, it's a, it, it is an evolution because 
I would, I, I never was the type of guy to date like baby mamas and stuff like that. I never, I never did. It was always one of my hangups. Like if you have kids, I'm not, I'm not going near it. Whereas now, not that I'm looking to date women with kids, but I, I've, I've seen women who've had kids who still kept it together and stayed fit and, you know, kept their body together. And I can look at it and say, okay, she looks pretty good for her age and for what she's, you know, what she's been through. Yeah. 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 What do you know, huh? <laughs> yeah, hey, that's that's good, man. Evolution. Yeah. <laughs> but see that that's that's <laughs> the other side that makes someone us. like Lizzo. Listening it's like you don't have any kids. <laughs> she like what the fuck happened there? <laughs> like what's your excuse? Like that? What the fuck happened? And, I, and I'd laugh <laughs> my ass off if like if if Lizzo lost weight, I got like a a, a stomach thing, whatever they do when they when they sew up your stomach or whatever. I forgot what those things are called a gastro bypass or whatever i'd laugh that she actually lost weight and, and she went down to like 115 pounds I'd, I'd like to know what the people now who keep promoting her and saying she's so gorgeous would say if she lost like 400 pounds and, and came down to a normal size i'd like to see some of it mm -hmm. some of it, you have to question like how genuinely they feel about yeah. that right. and how much it is making them accept their own bodies it's like do they really think lizzo's attractive or is it like yeah i'll keep pushing that lizzo's attractive thing? so i don't feel bad about or is it, being or is it racial you know cuz i always see i always see like them trying to promote you know? the fat the fat black mammies you know the... yeah but she was never like a sex symbol well, Adele. Was it wasn't fat like she oh, was white. What? For sure. Yeah. I mean, like all the like her Rizzo's walking around symbol. wearing thongs and twerking and bikinis, and she showed up to that Lakers game with her with her with her her ass cut out like that, like wearing like one of those Prince outfits with her ass exposed. Yeah, they try to promote her like she's a sex symbol for sure, and like. Is no, it, I don't think there's any guys like, saying it, but it's just like the LG, it's the LG barbecues and the females who, who promote her as a sex symbol. They want straight guys to look at her in a in a. There's not, but that's but, 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 that, but that's that's why they go to all the the, the, the fat phobic and all the bullshit when they can't get straight guys to pretend that Lizzo was good looking, because a straight guy's not going to pretend. But like they, but but they. They push her out there, but this is, but I feel like this is how it always works with black people. Like they'll take a fat pig, like a Oprah Winfrey or a Lizzo or, or some like gay dude, like RuPaul and um, all these, like, like this, this new guy, you see this new black guy. He's like fucking flamboyant as hell. What is he? Is it Billy Porter or something? Have you seen this guy? He, he shows up. Oh, he's pretty popular now. He shows up to all the, the big award yeah, shows sorry. wearing like wedding gowns and dresses and the, the white people are really pushing him down everybody's throat. But like, I feel like that crowd, just Google him. You'll see him. He's, he's, he's very flamboyant. Yeah. Like, like these are the kind of people I feel like in black yeah, culture that they're always kind of putting out there like these fat pigs, these androgynous types or these like effeminate black dudes are the ones that they really try to force down your throat. So I feel like Lizzo, Lizzo's is just that's what I'm saying. And and he and he and this guy now is like he oh, gets top shelf. I don't know what he's ever done, 
but he gets top billing at, at, at all the award shows and they put him out front. Like every award show the next day, he's on every website, every, they take this guy and they put him down your fucking throat. But I feel like that's what the media is constantly doing with these types. Like they, like they tried to force RuPaul on us back in the nineties. They, they have always tried to force Oprah Winfrey on us. Now they're forcing Lizzo and this Billy Porter guy. It's always these like effeminate, flagrantly gay black dudes or these androgynous types or like these big fat mammies like Oprah, these whales. This is what they do, you know? And like, I, I feel like it, like my point is that like I get all the fat shaming and all the other stuff that goes on, but I feel like there's also another racial side to this as well, because you don't see this happening with white people the way that they do with black people. You don't see them forcing like fat white women down everybody's throat. You don't see them, you know, like, like what is the white equivalent of Billy Porter? They don't, it doesn't exist. You don't see white guys showing up wearing wedding gowns and stuff like that to Oscars and making the front page of every newspaper. They don't do that. What's, what's the white equivalent of RuPaul? We've never seen like a, a flagrant white cross dresser getting his own TV shows and model searches and stuff like that. You don't see this shit happening. So I feel like I think there, there is a racial component of this where they're always trying to push like certain images of black women and black men on us that often are not very authentic or not very indigenous to who we are. They'll net. And, and, and if you are like the black alpha male type, like a LeBron James or whatever, you know, like, I mean, they're always looking to take you down a notch. That's what I feel. Like, I, I feel like they'd love to find LeBron James in some kind of fucking scandal so they can cut him down a few notches. They'd love it. I mean, he just makes a tweet and he has like these fucking people in tears. But yeah, he, you figured huh. like. I am always surprised at how much negative press LeBron right. James gets, considering the NBA that I knew in the right. '90s was just right. like you had the Sean Kemp's of the world who had more yes. baby mamas right. than. And they're always, they're always they're always everything, and they're always like they're always like, floating bullshit everything. about him, like he's cheating on his wife. He has a white side chick. He only likes Latinas, and then he comes out and he makes just like any kind of like. When when the the black dude and in, in um in in Georgia got shot, he comes out with a tweet where he's like, "They're always hunting us." And then it's like, then you all the sambos and all the coons, like who's that guy? Uh, that that real fucking coon, oh, that fat black dude who's a he's he's just a Whitlock, yeah, yeah, Whitlock, Jason Whitlock, unleashed Whitlock, and he Whit, 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 oh, Whitmer or something. Oh, what yeah. he is a coon. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, you know, this is what happens I with LeBron James. That. He comes out and makes one fucking statement that like a guy like Jordan, Michael Jordan would never make. And of course you have Jason Whitlock, you have the Coons, the Sambos, the Candace Owens, all those like wannabe black Republican types who are just out there looking for a paycheck. Stacey Dash, whoever they are, all the Coons and Sambos go crazy. The white people are hysterical and up in arms. This is what it is, dude. Like if you're a black alpha male type, like they want to cut you down a level. They're just waiting for him to get caught up in some kind of scandal or some kind of drug bust or some kind of rape situation. They're waiting on this guy. They, they, they never stop. 
They never stop. Like you never go to a website and he's not cheating on his wife. He doesn't have a side chick. He's this, he's that. It's always something. It's always something. You know, meanwhile, they'll take this Billy Porter guy who's walking around, you know, wearing like, you know, wedding dresses and kimonos and looking like a hoe. And they'll fucking push this guy on your throat like he's the standard of like black excellence. He's the standard of like black masculinity. Meanwhile, he's fucking married to a white guy who's plowing him up the ass and he's walking around wearing wedding dresses. Like, who does he represent? You know? I mean, this is what it is. This is why I feel like there's a racial component to this. I really do. And I, and I feel like people like Lizzo, they don't, re- they don't, they don't see like she's so hungry, and, and you can take that however you want. She's so fucking hungry for fame that she'll just take all this adulation and she'll roll with it, not really, not really understanding that she's part of a more sinister campaign. The, the, the paints black women as these fat mammies that, that are loud and ridiculous and, you know, just rambunctious women. That, that, that's the image that they put out there in the media all the time. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 Wow. Powerful ending thoughts there, man. Um, that's well, yeah, right. this was a fun episode. Yep. Uh, and uh, 